I want to share with you a, a study I'm, I'm calling a good year. We'll just say it's a, it's a good year. And, you know, in all honesty, when I look back at 2018, it, it was a tough year uh, for many of us personally and as families and as congregation. Even it's been tough. Uh, lots of flaws, lots of failures. We've suffered some heavy losses. And we've wept a lot of tears, right? We've gone through the difficulties. And so, you know, we look at that and, and it's kind of a bit, I don't know, of an oxymoron. So if someone were to say to me, well, Manny, how was the year? I would have to say, however, that it was a good year. And I, and I can say that not, not by, by, by sight, but by faith. Not by feelings, but by faith. You know, it, it was a good year. And at the same time, if someone were to ask me, well, how are you doing? I'd, I'd have to say that I'm not doing good. None of us are. None of us are good. But we have a good God, right? I mean, God is working all these things together for good. We go back to the great Romans 8.28. All things work together for good to those who love God and who are the called according to his, his purpose. And so, you know, I thought it'd be good, you know, guys, as a church, let's close the year with that declaration. No matter what our situation, let's close the year with that. You know, that it's, it's a good year. And, and even here, to dare to declare by faith that truth. And we're going to see it in Psalm 65 a real fascinating psalm. As I was teaching through it on Thursday night, I wasn't able to really hone in on this verse, but I ended up discovering that Psalm 65 is a chapter that they would actually sing, is a psalm that they would sing at the end of the year. You know, at the end of the year, at the final harvest of the year. Real interesting thing. And, and so look at what we read. I just want to go straight over to verse 11 of Psalm 65. You know, it talks about praying, it talks about praising in light of the blessings and the goodness of God. And then in verse 11, he says this, he says, You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. That's probably a good one to put on Instagram, huh? <laughs> as the new year is coming, you know, as the old year is ending. You crown the year with your goodness. And your paths drip with abundance. We can say that because of who God is, not because of who we are. We have a good God who crowns a year with his goodness. And that when I look at that, to me, it's just a beautiful passage. And there's a lot of application. There's a lot of things that come to heart. You know, you can almost, for one thing, visualize the Lord coming down to put a crown on the year in kind of like a formal ceremony when, you know, we look back at 2018, here's the Lord, he comes and he puts a, a crown on it. Now, you know, when you look at it in its context, the whole concept of crowning the year has to do with the late harvest in Israel, how they harvested the crops, you know, so much so that even the paths dripped with abundance. And when you look at the civil calendar of Israel, you would see that that final uh, harvest, uh, it, what it did is it ushered in the new year. And so that's kind of what he's saying right here. In the civil calendar, you know, the harvest now ends, the new old year, and then the, the new year begins. And so um, we are kind of going to do the same 
thing today, you know, when I'm thinking about the sovereignty of God. You know, because a lot of people will tell you, well, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. And if I had to guess, I'd probably say they're right. But God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And there's a reason why we have these holy days, these holidays all lumped together, right? And so just as a quick side note, let me share with you three things that the Lord kind of showed me more this year than ever before. Number one, how Thanksgiving and Christmas, they go together. You know, how we have this appreciation for our salvation. Thank you, Father, that you gave your Son. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing me this amazing truth. And so, you know, Thanksgiving, don't you think it belongs close to Christmas? Salvation, appreciation. And of course, it doesn't end on that day. It's every day of our life, but let them stay connected. And then I was even thinking about how, how Christmas... It, to me, I don't know why, but it administered to me is a picture of a great harvest in, in one sense, you know? Um, right here, you crown the year with your goodness. And if I can just kind of say it that way, if you can visualize Christmas almost as if God is coming down and crowning the year with his goodness, and you're like, well, what are you talking about? You know, paths dripping with abundance. Have you noticed on Christmas how man, how, how blessed you are. I mean, how blessed we are, how we look around, especially in the United States of America, how rich we are, how much God has given to us. I have a freezer, you know, with tamales in it. I mean, I got a Starbucks card with $50 on it. That never happens, man. I went to the mall the other day, and I'm not exaggerating. I could not find a parking spot. I was driving around, uh, man, 20 minutes. I went down in the tunnel part, man. I mean, it was just crazy. And I'm like, what are all these crazy people doing, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, you go inside and all the stores are packed and you, you know, all you want is a little hot dog from a hot dog on a stick and there's 27 people in line even there. And what is that? that in one sense, it's God like crowning the year it's, dri- it's like dripping with abundance. They say that 33% of all our sales, you know, that it takes place there. And so the, the same thing with the harvest. You got this great plentiful harvest. And then the Lord just kind of showed me that. This is, what's, this is all connected with the goodness and the grace of God, how he blesses us. And I know not all of us here got as much as we did, maybe in past years and stuff. But you know, if you're honest, you have much more than many of those out there. And we are blessed. We are so blessed. The Lord showed me Thanksgiving and Christmas and Christmas and harvest. And then the third thing, I think, is how Christmas and New Year are so closely connected. Again, it's not random. It's a sovereignty of God. You know how now we just ended Christmas and now we're going into a new year. And I'll tell you what, Jesus means a lot to me But one of the most beautiful things about Jesus is that he always gives me an opportunity for a new start. You know, I may have had all these flaws and all these failures, but but I'm not defined by that. You know, and I look back and I see, yeah, you know, a lot of hurdles that that I knocked down. But man, 
Now I can go forward with a new year, like a new start. Now that I have this momentum of the love of God in my heart, I can now go forward and I can say, okay, Lord, as I get out the gates by your grace and your glory, I am going to seek you with all my heart. And I know, Lord, that my relationship with you is primarily based on your love for me. But Lord, I will endeavor to love you more than ever as I enter into the new year. You know, it's been aptly said the Christian life is simply a series of new beginnings. And so you look at this, how Christmas and New Year are so closely connected that really Christmas time communicates that it's time for a new start. And so it's kind of cool to gather together as a church and to see how God crowns the year with his goodness, how his paths drip with abundance. And then notice next in verse 12, in Psalm 65, it says, they drop on the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. I mean, there's different ways to look at this on how the, this crown, you know, relates to any of us, you know? You know, and in so many ways, I mean, another thing you can think of is just the fact that he wears the crown. Just the fact that he is on the throne. Just the fact that he is not just the king, he's the king of kings. You guys know what I'm talking about? Because when you're a king, you're just fighting for your own people, your own nation, but when you're a hero or when you're a king of kings, you care and fight for all people. And that's, that's what he does. And then the paths of abundance, they drop even into, it's interesting, it says the wilderness, in, 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 the, in the wilderness. And, and you look at that and you're like, well, what's he trying to say here? And, and I think that what God is trying to say is that even when we're in those times that are wild, those times, and we find ourselves there uh, uh, frequently where we just don't understand how this fits in any of the equation. But it's all part of God's plan, and he'll take the pain and give it purpose. And even there, in the wilderness, when we're hurting, when we're dying, when we don't want to go on, when all we want to do is quit and go the other direction, thousand miles an hour god says no i'm going to meet you there and i will keep you son and i will show you my love and i will speak to your heart because of who i am and what god does is he crowns the year with his goodness you know i i don't know how it was for you we're all different 2018 and i look back on january february march and the different things that happened personally family congregationally it's been a hard year a lot of pain but you know and i've told you before that the greater the pain the greater the purpose god would never make us suffer without purpose and so maybe you went through heavy trials this last year then that means that God wants to do a deeper work in our heart. You know how pain is, right? Pain in my body takes me to the physician. Pain in my body, it takes me to the doctor for healing, right? And that's what God wants to do 
even through our tough times. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And so there will always be a productivity. There will always be something that you can take out that's good, even though you go through things that seem to be bad. You know, and so the Lord, he heals your heart. Well, what if he doesn't heal that person? Well, then, you know, then they go home. You know, and there's even greater joy. You guys ever heard of the pastor, John Corson? A lot of you guys probably heard of John Corson. His son, Peter John, another young guy. And this is so tough, especially when it happens to the young people. But he was recently diagnosed with cancer. And uh, going through physical trials, he'd been going through these intense physical trials for 20 years. You know, and you thought, you know, some of you here are thinking you had it bad because it's been already a three-day headache or something. I mean, 20 years, intense trials. He has Crohn's disease. And, and so, you know, recently, though, it was interesting, he actually died and he came back to share a little bit about what he experienced. And it's not a, one of those weird things, okay? We know it's biblical. We know Paul went through that. It's something that can happen to somebody. So, but, but when he came back and he was, his dad was asking him, well, what happened? The only thing he could say is that, it was, Dad, it was fun. Heaven is fun. And not, not a trivial fun, but like this joyful fun. And his dad's trying to get more out of him. Well, no, tell me, fun. No, what was it? Fun. I mean, he says, what was, that's heaven. And, you know, and, and, and sometimes, and I know, you know, it's the glory of God. We're going to see him. We're no more sin. I mean, a lot of things. But let me tell you something. I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And that's talking about the Holy Spirit revealing things to us now, but also then. You know, I think of the loved ones that have passed on from this church, and I can give you their names and, and just tell you, like, the loss that you feel, that you sense. But that's us. Imagine how they are now in glory, right? You know, what we read right here, and we look back at 2018, and that was the year that, you know, this happened or whatever it doesn't matter. God says, listen, I crown the year with my goodness. The Bible says your paths, they drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. And I, I you know, you look at that and you're, why did he call them the little hills, you know? And probably because when you look around and you see these amazing mountains, you're like, wow, wow, wow. But then you look at the little hill and you're like, oh, it's not much. But you guys know the little hills, when they're lush with green, they're beautiful, huh? Not only that, there's a, there's a message there about us because we're little hills, man. You know, we're not all that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, not many mighty, not many noble, not many of those whatever grand and great people really come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we're little. We're, we're little. Part of the reason we're little is because we're big sinners. Right? And when I tell you you're messed up, like Mark was mentioning earlier, I mean it. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I have the, we have the best church in the whole world, the most beautiful people, and there's no doubt about it. But apart from Christ, 
We know who we are, but look at what God has done. Even in the little hills, even in these people that otherwise are insignificant, but we find our value because of who God sees us to be. And so, you know, we read that, that God crowns the year, but not only is it something that happens at the final month of the year, I think if you look closely, you'll find that it, it, it's God's glory throughout every month and really every day of the year. And that's what C.H. Spurgeon said. He said, we may understand the expression to also mean that God's love encircles the year as with a crown. Each month has its gems, each day its pearl. Unceasing kindness girdles all time with a belt of love. The providence of God in its visitations makes a complete circuit and surrounds the year. And so I think in one sense, when you look at 2018, you know, you don't just, you're not just like, okay, Lord, the end of the year, the harvest, there is that aspect of it. But there's also just throughout the year, if you take time to look at all the jewels of January 2018 and all the things you found in February and the amazing things of March, when you begin to look at all the jewels and that crown that encircled the entire year, what you find is that God is good all the time. All the time, He is good. And that's what He's saying. You know, you look back and you have to ask yourself, what can we glean from 2018? You know, most of you probably know that the month of January is named after that Roman mythological god, Janus. Maybe you guys know that. It was pictured with a man with two faces, one looking backward and the other looking forward. You guys, I think we have a visual here. It's kind of ugly, huh? You know, but the, it's, it's, it's now we're in January. Janus, what is that saying? It's saying look back, but it's also saying look forward, right? I mean, we know that the God named Janus doesn't exist, but the visual, I think, is valuable to us, almost invaluable to us. As January 2019, 2019 arrives, it's good to be able to look back at, at the previous year. And so let's do that for a few reasons. Number one, appreciation. Appreciation. Have you ever done something for someone and they don't even say thank you? And you just want to punch them? Have you guys, <laughs> you know, you're and it's like, wait a minute, that's so rude. And, and then God, you know, he took us on this flight and we landed. Every time I'm on a plane and I land, I always say, thank you, Lord. Something about that, right? And so we have to stop at the end of the year and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for 2018, even though, Lord, I don't understand. You know, we have to look back with appreciation. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I tell you what, it might be life-changing if you were to say, Thank you, Lord, for that trial. Thank you, Lord. I don't understand, but I know you're doing something good. And what you end up doing is you end up paving a way for victory, through your declaration of appreciation. And you look back and you're, and you're thankful. You know, I mean, if you really, really are honest about it, it could be worse. It really could be, right? I mean, someone says, I don't deserve this. And they shake their fist to God, I don't deserve this. 
if I were you, I wouldn't go there. <laughs> do you want to talk about what you really deserve? What do we really deserve? Oh, they treated me bad. Oh, God, this happened. Listen, man, if we got what we deserve, every single one of us would be in hell right now. So don't go there. Everything that happens to us that can in any way be defined as good in which we survive is because of the grace of God on our life. You know, I, I remember that saying, I was hateful, I wasn't grateful. After all, I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet, right? And so, Lord, thank you. Appreciation. We look back and we thank him for even things we don't understand or we know he's going to work it out for good. But the second reason to look back at 2018 is for education. Education. And I hope and pray that this year will not have gone by without us learning something from the year. You know, hopefully, most importantly, no matter what it is, as you look back, some of you guys, when you look back, some things are bigger, some things are more epic. Other things, you know, might be smaller, but you ask the Lord to sift through all that. The first thing you want to ask the Lord is, what does it teach you about God? You know, that, that thing that you went through, it could even be the passing of a loved one or some type of you know, infirmity, or maybe, you know, you lost your job, or maybe you're starting to suffer from depression, or, or anxiety, or even maybe you're having marital struggles, I don't know, but whatever it is, what does it teach you about God? And you'll find that's a big question, it's the best question. Secondly, what does it teach you about yourself? What does it teach you about life? What does it teach you about the battle, the war that you're in? You know, every year we should learn new things. You know, I, I'm always fascinated by, I don't know if you call this uh, child psychology or, or what, you know, uh, anthropology, but it, have you guys ever studied like what your children should learn in the different grades that they're in? You know, I have this uh, handout right here. It says what your child should know in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. Imagine going through all the different years, all the different grades, and not learning what you're supposed to learn. Now, what happens when you go through a grade and you don't learn what you're supposed to learn? What happens? You flunk. We don't want to be flunkies, right? In kindergarten, you learn to cut along the lines. You establish left or right-hand dominance. You understand concepts of time like yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In kindergarten, you learn to stand quietly in line, and they say that now your attention uh, capacity is up to 15 to 20 minutes. Some of you guys, you're not even there yet. <laughs> in kindergarten, you learn the eight basic colors. You recognize and write the letters of the alphabet in upper and lower cases. In kindergarten, you count by ones, fives, and tens all the way to a hundred. You know the basic shapes like squares and triangles, and you learn your address and your phone number. All that should be things you do that year in kindergarten. And then you move up to first grade, and in first grade, you learn to sit in a chair for a long period of time. Check this out. In first grade, they say now you have the capacity to work out problems with your peers. Some of you guys, you haven't done that first grade. 
thing. <laughs> in kindergarten, I mean, first grade, I'm sorry, you learn to plan ahead. Again, something I think we struggle with. Tell the time to the hour and half hour. Quickly answer addition and subtraction facts for sums all the way up to 20. And you complete two-digit addition and subtraction problems without regrouping. That happens in first grade. Second grade, you learn to work cooperatively with a partner or small group. You read fluently with expression. In first grade, uh, you, or second grade, you learn to use a dictionary. You can tell time by the quarter of an hour. And you know the concept of multiplication. The concept of multiplication, for example, 2 times 3 is 2 rows of 3s. In third grade, you build stronger friendships. Now, that's interesting. Now it's the third grade. You're able now to build stronger friendships. Some of you guys, you still haven't learned that. You need to go back to the third grade. You learn to write neatly in cursive because now the small muscles of your hand have developed. You can now read longer stories and chapter books with not only expression but comprehension. You can multiply single and multi-digit numbers and divide multi-digit numbers by one-digit numbers. In the fourth grade, by the end, you learn to think independently and critically. In, in, this is in the fourth grade, okay? In the fourth grade, you learn responsibility. Some of you guys, you still haven't learn that. <laughs> you can write a structured paragraph with an introductory topic sentence and and you know you just go on and on and on it's interesting in the fourth grade they say you develop the concept of fairness in the fifth grade you guys remember what you learned in the fifth grade your presidents capitals of states i mean you learn everything every year and and just as it is in school i think in one sense it should be that way in life. I mean, we look back with appreciation, but we should also look back with education. What has God, what does God want to teach you this year? Or are you just going to go on by without learning the lesson? You know, one of the most important things I've learned in life, and it took me a while to learn it, is that thing called debriefing. And debriefing is after you go through an event or some a special occasion, immediately what you do is you go back and you, uh, you guys get together and you talk while it's fresh in your memory. Because if not, you end up committing the same mistakes next time. And that's exactly what, I, what I'm thinking, you know, January, Janus, looking back and looking forward is all about and what we should do as a church because we're not doing it just for us. We're doing it for the glory of God and the good of his people. What did the Lord teach you this year? What does he, he want to teach you? Again, it's not too late. When I think of things that I need to learn, I think of my failures. You know, if I keep tripping over the same thing every time, Maybe I should do something about it. Maybe I need to take that out. You know, work on this issue. Get accountable. Take a class. I don't know. Whatever it takes. I learn from the failures of others. You know, I don't just mosey on by. I don't just judge them. I pray for them. But I learn from them. You know, I've learned over the years as we end one year and go into another the importance of appreciation, uh, of education, 
because I know God crowns the year with his goodness. I know that it's not something intended for bad. I know it was something intended for good. I want to glean from 2018. But then the third thing is I, I look to the next year with expectation. And for that, I was wondering if you could turn to Philippians 3. Because if you're not wise, you're going to do the same thing you did last time. And there has to be this expectation, this anticipation of something good that God is going to do. Again, not saying that everything is going to be hunky-dory and there won't be trials, but there's going to be a good work. Because first point is we have a good God, and the second point is we should have a good goal and that's what we read here in Philippians chapter 3 in verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll talk about New Year's resolutions in just a minute. That should be it right there. That's my goal. I have a good God. I know that now. And I have a good goal all other goals will fall under this category. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. He says, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And you're thinking, well, what do you mean attain to the resurrection of the dead? Are you talking about Paul after he dies and then he goes to glory that he's trying to work his way to salvation? No, I'm talking about him experiencing the whole power of the resurrection from the dead, not just his body, this life. Do you guys realize that you can live in the same power that raised Jesus from the dead? Well, how do you get there? Well, verse 10, it talks about it, that, that you've got to suffer and you've got to die. And I'm not talking, you know, necessarily physically. I'm talking about to yourself. You know, why don't we want to die to self? Why is it that when you're in an argument with your spouse that you always have to be right? Or you're arguing with a friend. Why is it that, you know, I'm right and I'm going to fight for my right? Why are we like that? Because we don't want to suffer and we don't want to die. Well, listen, let me tell you. If you're a prideful person like that, you will never suffer, you will never die, and you will never rise in the power of the resurrection. You've got to die to self. You have to humble yourself. When Jesus was there on the cross and they were telling him, save yourself, save yourself. Come down from the cross and then we'll believe you. That's us. And the enemy says, you know, save yourself. And what do we do? We get down off the cross. I'm not going to die. And then everybody suffers. And then we don't experience the power of the resurrection. That's my goal. And how do I do that? It's by knowing him, that I may know him. That's where it's at. That I may know him and the power of the resurrection in the fellowship of the sufferings. Now, we don't like to suffer, right? No one here likes to suffer. When you're in that situation, you're being humiliated. You know, when they're talking smack about you or whatever, things aren't going according to your comfort zone. We don't like that, but it's there that you fellowship with Jesus as he suffered. It's there that you enter into this fellowship of suffering with him. 
Imagine how amazing it would be to be able to take the Via Dolorosa, that road with Jesus as he's walking down the cross. Imagine what it would be like, you know, to see him there and the love that he had when he was scourged for us. Imagine what it would be like being there next to Christ in one sense when he was nailed to a cross. The things that he experienced, that's what God is offering to us. And this has to be our goal always. You know, when you look at this right here, it's interesting to me, when you think of New Year's, uh, a lot of things that kind of come with that whole package of the, is the New Year's resolutions, right? Uh, they say that 26% of all Americans will make New Year's resolutions. They say that only 4% of all those who made those New Year's resolutions will be able to keep all their New Year's resolutions, but there's still 4%. And they say that 20% of those who make New Year's resolutions will at least be able to keep at least one of those resolutions. And if you could just keep one, here it is. No more donuts. No, I'm just joking. Here it is. One thing. That's what he says right here. One thing. Look at verse 15. I'm verse uh, 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One thing. What do you do? You press toward the goal. What goal? What are you talking about? To know him. Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know more about your love. I want to know more about your cross. I want to know you. I want to know more about your plan for my life. I want to know more about why you made me. About how awesome you are. I want to know you. And, and when it just kind of gets simplified to that one thing, you know, forgetting those things which are behind, it has a lot to do with don't look back on your failures. You know, you may have messed up all that last year. It doesn't mean that you're going to do the same thing. I mean, I just learned the power of God. And as a pastor, you learn there's nobody that God can't change. You know, the, the gang member, man, they, they have these abilities to be able to see the importance of what it really means to be part of a family. And God can take a gang member and make them amazing Christians. You know, the, the drug addict, you know, he's all addicted to whatever that drug might be. But then when he gets set free, he gets addicted to the love of Jesus Christ. You know, and you go back and it doesn't matter who they are. You know, you got the rich guy over here and we were praying for one of them in between services and, you know, some might say, well, you can't reach him because he's rich and he feels like he doesn't need God. No, God can break him down. God can break him down and bring him to that place of beautiful and absolute surrender and then show him what real riches are. It's found when you when you're like, okay, now I know what to do. One thing, that I may know him 
And that has to do with knowing the power of the resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, that I die to self, even if I have to suffer in the process, so that I can live the power of the resurrection. It's a good goal. And there's a lot of good resolutions I was reading about. I don't know if you guys, have you guys, you're probably not into that, huh? You're like, no, I don't do resolutions. I just do solutions. And, you know, uh, I was reading a list, and to be honest with you, some of them are okay, you know, like enjoy life more. Enjoy it. Be careful that you don't get so busy that you don't stop to smell the roses. And that's not just a cliche. I mean, I'm talking about take it in, enjoy the beauty of creation, laugh with your children, you know, enjoy time with your spouse. Enjoy life is a good resolution. Uh, Learn something new. I'm learning how to use power tools. I'm serious. I'm looking at YouTube videos. (laughs) How about getting organized? Any of you guys need to get organized? I mean, that would be so amazing. Imagine if you can get rid of the clutter, man. Um, Grow in my marriage. Some of you here, you need to grow in your marriage. Let me tell you something. If you're here and you're struggling in your marriage, I want to tell you something, okay? the, the, The evidence that you're a Christian is love. The one that you're supposed to love most is your spouse. If you're not loving your spouse, how can you say you're a Christian? I'm telling you guys, that's where it starts. You know, so these are good goals. I, I better, you know, shape shape up or, or shape out. I've got to really get this together. You know, grow in my marriage. Spend more time with family and friends, and that means that you have to cut something out. Maybe it's an extracurricular activity. Maybe it's television. The Lord will show you what it is, right? Here's another cool goal. Make more friends. You can't, you can't you know, buy friends. You know, you can't just make it happen. It has to be something the Lord does when you're friendly. Those are good things, right? Financial goals, like um, get out of debt, or live on a budget, imagine that. I mean, you know, physical goals like exercise, you know, three, four times a week, maybe more, lose weight, um, eat better. They kind of go together, quit smoking, quit drinking. Here's one that I like, get more sleep. Power naps, no, I'm just joking. You know, physical goal, I, whatever it might be, you know, relational, physical, it, it might be something financial. Those are cool. But the best goal is spiritual. And it's so simple to read in Philippians 3 because we got a good God and he wants us to have good goals. Here it is. Lord, everything else falls under that banner that I may know you. That I may know you, Lord. Because I know this is not a religion thing. This whole thing is not a religion. I can tell by looking at the building, it's not a religion thing. It's a relationship between you and God. And I know that, you know, I, I don't like to use this word too much, but I, I, I think that you guys kind of get the point when I just want to encourage you to fall in love with God. Fall in love with God. Listen, the more you know Him, 
the more you'll love him. And the more you love him, what? The more you'll obey him. And the more you obey him, then what? The more you're blessed. I have 37 things right here that are connected. No, I'm just joking. That's, that's how it works. That's how it works. And so here the thing that, that we, we have to grow. You know, Philippians 3, 10 through 14 is similar to 2 Peter 3, 18. It just says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We look back at this year, we learned something, we grew. Now we graduate, hopefully, to a different grade. Have you guys learned this? That if you haven't grown, you'll groan. Have you guys learned that? Uh, you should, right? <laughs> I know this in closing. And why don't we have the musicians come forward? 2019 is going to be good because of God doing his part. He crowns the year with his glory. I, I know it's going to be good because of God doing his part. The question is, here it is, how good will it be? And I think that has to do with us doing our part. Will I? aggressively cooperate with this amazing God who loves me so much. Choice is up to you. You know, I know that most of you here, you're Christians and you're, you're doing okay. But if you're like me, you acknowledge and you recognize those rooms or areas of growth. And so we're like, here, Lord, help me now as I, as I, as I embark on a, on a new year. You know, Pastor Mark had mentioned a very important passage in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. There's a reason why God did things the way he did, you guys. You ever think about the fact, why did he do 24-hour days? Because every day you wake up, and doesn't it feel, at least it should be, like a new opportunity, a new day? And then we got this week, oh, it's a new week, and then you got a new month, okay, a new month, now you got a new year. And what we have is a new opportunity for a new beginning. We make those modifications. We learn from the past. And we look back with appreciation and education. But now we look forward with expectation. God, do a good work. And as one poet, Francis Ridley Havergal said, in 1874, on New Year's Day, she gave this poem. It said, another year is dawning. Dear Father, let it be in working or in waiting, another year with thee. Another year of progress, another year of praise, another year of proving thy presence all thy days. And that's what we look forward to. You guys are blessed. You are loved. I pray you would know that. And that as we go forward in a new year, that we would be like catapulted with the love of Jesus Christ.